Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be continuing our sermon series this morning called Journey to Freedom. And we've been looking at how to walk into the freedom that Jesus has for us. We've been viewing a couple different lenses and applications for that. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Tom talked about how we've been set free from sin and death. Last week, we focused on the fact that we don't have to walk under condemnation, that we're free from that. The first couple weeks focused on Jesus' intention all along has been to bring wholeness and freedom to your life, and that continues to be his intention as he focus his attention on us. But this morning, we're going to talk about kind of a fork in the road in that journey. So if you think of it in terms of kind of walking along and moving in a journey, we're going to be looking at a fork in the road. In, in Christ, we've all been set free. We're set free from sin and bondage. But in our journey into that freedom, we often come to fork in the road moments of decision. There's kind of like this divergence of pathways, and you've got to choose one or the other. One path is going to lead us onward in Christ, and the other or others at times are going to veer us to depart into misalignment. And whenever we veer from traveling with Jesus into the things that he has promised us, we always end up moving in a direction that causes a less than result. And kind of with that idea in mind, um, there's, a, a, there's a poet named Robert Frost, and he's got a, a pretty famous work called The Road Not Taken. Some of you may have read that and probably had to in school, depending on when you went. But as the poem ends, there's three lines that are probably the most famous of the poem and are often quoted, and they say this, that says, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And so the way that the poem kind of is written and unpacks, there's this point of decision. There's a left or right, so to speak. And there's one path that's very well trod, and it seems to be the one that everybody takes. But as the poet kind of muses and contemplates, he says, I took a different road. And that has made a profound impact. And what I would suggest to you this morning is that one of the most frequent fork-in-the-road moments that you and I encounter in our journey to freedom are moments of offense. It's moments when offense occurs, whether as the offender and where I have kind of gone back into an old pattern and caused damage to somebody else, or whether I've been offended and I've been the recipient of somebody else's kind of malicious intent or just kind of the, the, the residual collateral damage of living in a broken world, whether, whether I'm the catalyst for it or the recipient of it or just kind of an innocent bystander gets hit by the wave of it. When, when we deal with offense, we are presented in that moment two paths of response, two ways that we can kind of choose to respond. And unfortunately, we often choose the well-trod path that leads to bitterness it's something that you and I are frequently um, tempted to kind of do in our response. Offense that leads to bitterness is one of the most frequent occurrences in a person's life, and it always undermines our freedom in Christ. And it results in what would be identified in Scripture as unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. 
a, con- a constriction of the things that God would really want to see us experience in our lives. And considering that fork in the road, considering kind of those moments of offense, whether we're the catalyst, whether we're the recipient, it's in that consideration that we're going to be talking about freedom this morning and seeing how we can take some practical steps to live free from offense. Now, you'll never live a life where offense doesn't occur. You'll never live a life where you don't offend purposely or inadvertently and vice versa. But you can live free of an offense that would lead you away from the freedom that you have in Jesus. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get those out and raise them up. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, I want to encourage you to open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts for your word today. Lord, give us eyes that see where we are, if we're at crossroads or if we've taken the wrong path. Lord, give us a willingness to be really self-aware, looking at our lives through the lens of your word and with the help of your Holy Spirit. And give us the courage, Lord, to respond in a way where we release offense and return to you in Jesus' name. Amen. With your Bibles out, I want to encourage you to just go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. There's going to be a couple verses that we're going to focus on as our starting point this morning and really kind of walk through those in earnest. But in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is going to lay out two paths in the way that we can choose to conduct ourselves when we're relating to other people. Primarily in this context, he's speaking to the church in Ephesus, but this is a common thing that Paul did in his New Testament letters to the church, specific churches or the church in general. Oftentimes there's this comparison and contrast or this left and right or this light and dark way that we can choose to live our lives. And we've kind of visited those ideas even during this sermon series where we've talked about what it looks like to be the new creation and to put off the old man, uh, what it looks like to walk in righteousness versus in other ways of living. And in this context, Paul again is kind of giving the, uh, a this and that type of direction that we can choose in the way that we're going to practically live out our lives and relate to people around us. And what you're going to find is what gets outlined here really is uh, either bitterness or forgiveness. Those are the two ideas that we're going to unpack from these two verses. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 to 32, verse 30 says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't live in a life that causes the Spirit of God sorrow. And then he lays out two different ways that we can go ahead and continue forward. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Okay, so we got one verse that outlines probably some stuff that we would all agree are not very good for us and for others, and that when we engage in that type of activity, it produces all kinds of brokenness as a result. But then we're given what to replace that with in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And I want you to think about these two verses uh, kind of having a parentheses on them. Parentheses would be kind of the brackets on the outside of an idea that kind of holds it all together. And the two kind of parenthetical thoughts that are being outlined here are really antithesis to one another, or they would be in opposite competition with one another. The first one is bitterness, 
right? So get rid of all bitterness, and then you can look at the stuff after that, and those are all things that get expressed from a bitter heart. Those are all things that get readily expressed in the life of somebody who is bitter, wholly or in a compartmentalized type of expression, but get rid of all bitterness that would lead to rage and anger and brawling and slander and malice. But on the contrary, replace it with being kind and compassionate with one another, but the the parenthetical thought isn't the kind and compassion. The kind and compassion is the expression of somebody who knows what it means to be forgiven. So the two things that are really being uh, put in position next to one another is bitterness and forgiveness. And when you think of the fork in the road that is presented at a moment where there is an offense that has occurred, those are really the names of the two paths you can choose. You can choose to move towards bitterness or you can choose to move towards forgiveness. Some of us try to trod the line and try to do both at the same time, but it's only a matter of time until you're not comfortable enough to do that anymore. You've got to fall left or right or split your pants, right? Your legs don't go that far. Bitterness or forgiveness is going to send you in one direction or the other. And when it comes to bitterness, I, I don't think that I need to spend a lot of time unpacking that word or what it looks like. I think that you and I are really familiar with the verse that talks about all the things that bring brokenness to us and all the ways that we extend brokenness to others. We're, we're actually really familiar with those things, but it would be really important for us to understand what forgiveness is because some of us really wrestle with this. The reason we're not able to take the path of forgiveness and follow Jesus into the freedom that that offers many times is because we don't actually understand what that means. We misread the road sign. And we think that forgiveness means that we just have to let something go, pretend it didn't happen, leave ourselves vulnerable to be hurt in the same way, that somehow we have to minimize or diminish our trauma, that, or it's up to us to somehow fix ourselves, or we just have to live with it in that way. And that's not what forgiveness means at all. In just a regular vernacular sense, that's not what it means, but certainly not in a scriptural use either. And now what I want you to do is I want you to take your hands and I want you to act like you're holding something. I want you to put your hands together in front of you. Okay, so this is more of like a tactile type of learning situation where you, where you get to participate. There's a little kinetic movement to that. Some of you may be better learners this way. Now I want you to go like this. I want you to open your hands. Put your hands together like this. Now hold them really tight. And now I want you to just open it and do that. Forgiveness as a concept and an understanding, especially scripturally, is best illustrated by the opening of your hands. The best illustration for what it is intended for you to understand is kind of this releasing or this letting go in a sense that something that you held so tightly to needs to be surrendered and it needs to be released and it needs to have kind of the 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 sense of space for it to go if it needs to go or to be dealt with if it needs to be dealt with but not held or controlled or hidden or somehow grasped in a different way see when 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 you talk about forgiveness in scripture this idea of letting go there's some things that forgiveness implies with letting go and it doesn't mean that you just let go what happened in a way that you're just like excusing it or minimizing it or saying it's okay to do again. Really what's happening is ultimately in forgiveness, you are first releasing your right to be 
offended. You're right to be offended. See, there's things that have happened to you, and there's things that have happened around you that have been unintentional and are just kind of collateral trauma that takes place in our lives because the world is jacked up. It doesn't work the way that God has intended for it to work. And so there's things that have happened to us that really you were maybe an innocent bystander, and even the one who offended you wouldn't have been a willing party to what took place. It was just kind of like it's the brokenness of the world, and you both got broken as a result of it. But there are places in our lives where our offense is justified, where that person or that situation was unjust, that it was wrong, that it was malicious, it was purposeful, there was intent behind it. And those moments of offense can be the hardest ones for us to really deal with in a way that produces health and wholeness in us because we actually have a justification for the reason why we want to withhold forgiveness. We want to hold on to that offense. But when Scripture talks about forgiveness and this idea of release or letting go, primarily I'm going to let go of my right to remain offended. I want you to think about this in a theological context. God has every right to hold offense against you and I. Christ has every right to look at the places in our lives where we still willfully, purposely, rebelliously live in misalignment to his plans and purposes for us. He has every right to hold on to that offense and to hold that offense against us. What, but what, what does every picture in Scripture give us of what it looks like to be under grace and to receive forgiveness? God has let go of that. He's actually paid the debt. He's allowed that to be Released. One of the other things that you and I release is we release the desire for our suffering to produce suffering in somebody else. See, many times when I'm hurt, man, I, I want them to hurt too. I want them to feel what I feel. And, you know, maybe a little extra because they deserve it. I, I have seen that ruin lives. I've sat in counseling situations with individuals who are at odds with their spouse, and there's been deep violation and mistrust and brokenness that has been introduced into the relationship. And the one who comes and wants uh, uh, some counsel and um, some help moving forward, if, if you say, what do you want? Their heart's desires for the relationship to be restored. And I have walked with people to the point where their spouse begins to turn and repent. And at that point, the person who initiated this desire to see the relationship restored said, no, nice try. You did it to me. I'm doing it to you. Boom. And there was never a desire for the relationship to be restored. There was a desire for, for revenge and for my suffering to be your suffering. See, that, that's a lot of the way that our world works. And we get hand in hand with that all the time. We're presented a fork in the road and that well-trod path. And it's easy to just slide and to move that direction. But when I understand forgiveness, I release my right to be offended. I release my desire for you to be broken the way that you broke me. And then some of the forgiveness has to do with I need to learn how to release the guilt of my offense. 
Some of us, it's not forgiveness extended to others that we need to learn how to walk in, but we need to learn how to receive forgiveness from others and from the Lord. And again, as a pastor in in years in ministry, I've had the conversation over and over and over. Pastor, I know that God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. And you took the wrong path. You're on the wrong path. We've got to correct. We've got to get back. We've got to move. Bitterness or forgiveness. Bitterness or forgiveness. And we've got to be able to recognize when those things are taking place. The reason why this idea of holding and releasing, it's, it's the understanding of the word primarily um, scripturally. But when you hold on to something, we have this misnomer that somehow I'm in control. But I can tell you that whatever you hold, holds you. Like whatever you hold, holds you. So if you, if you hold on to a sin, you're bound by that sin. If you hold on to a fence, you are shackled to that offense. If you have bitterness in your life, like it will permeate every other area of your life, and even places that you don't intend to be embittered towards, it will wreak havoc in those things that you would rather have not brought brokenness towards. Because the things that we hold, hold us. It's the reason why idolatry is such a big deal to God. Because when we hold on to stuff more than we hold on to him, we are held by our stuff rather than held by him. And there's a danger with offense. So I want you to hear this clearly. You will not live a life free of offense. You will offend and you will be offended. Some of that will be intentionally. Some of it will be unintentionally. But as you journey with Jesus, as you move into the freedom that he has for us, you will come to moments of decision where offense is introduced into the journey. But in that place, you can either receive it into yourself or you can release it to Jesus. But either way, you have to make a decision as to what you're going to do with it. You can't just kind of uh, passively sidestep it. It interrupts the journey. You either receive it into yourself or you release it to Jesus. When I was a young youth pastor, we were remodeling um, our youth room. We were putting in uh, video game station cabinets, and we were building them uh, ourselves. We were custom installing those. And we had gone down to a hardware store and got a bunch of three-quarter inch plywood and filled it up in my truck. And I was much younger then, so I could pull the sheets out just all on my own and put them up on my head as I was sliding them out of the truck bed and put them on the side and move them in just all by myself. I know, pretty impressive. Um, I would like to let you know that the other day I sat on the ground too long and now my back hurts. So that's the difference between the time frames. But I was sliding those uh, plywood sheets out and I was just kind of sliding them and throwing my hands down the side, and on one there was a jagged edge that was sticking out, and I took a plywood sheet splinter into the, into the meat of my thumb, into this, this meaty piece here. And it drove in straight and deep, and I screamed, and then I kind of pulled out what I could, and then I was young, and I healed quick. So I just went, you know, I just kept doing what I was doing. And the outside wound closed up, and everything looked fine, and it was weeks later that I discovered that I had a problem. While well, as uh, the outside looked healed and whole. Now, all of a sudden, in the meat of my thumb, there was like this hardening 
bump that was beginning to form. And it was a matter of time until we realized that when I had pulled the splinter out that there was a whole piece that had stayed stuck in the muscle of my thumb and that it had been uh, surrounded and kind of abscessed and infected and it was going to have to be dealt with and there was no way to get it out because the wound had closed. And I ended up having to have surgery on my hand as a result of that. They had to remove it with surgery. They had to open it up. They had to uh, remove it. They had to clean it out. They had to suture it. And I ended up, even uh, there was a gentleman after church that was just like, hey, let me see your scars. And so, you know, that's what guys do. I showed them the scars. But there's a, there's a hole right here where it had gone in, but I've got a whole cut and suture scar here where they had to cut it out because I had received it into me and I had not released it or taken it out and I just kind of went on. And I have, a, I have a, a more traumatic scar, like, ooh, it's just your hand, like I know. But it's bigger than that because I received it into me and it got infected. And what happens to you and I when we're offended, if we do not release it to Jesus, we take it into us and it begins to infect our soul. We get septic in our soul. And you've met people who were bitter. And you have places likely in your life where you are bitter, where there's still offense and wound. And I can tell you where those are. And I can tell you who they're related to by the way that you respond to those people when you find them. When you see them come down the aisle at the store and you have to turn and go to a different aisle and take the long way to what you were going to purchase because you can't be around them. Because when you hear somebody's name spoken or when you hear a situation referred to, you can only think of it in a way where anger rises in you and there would be a venom in your voice if you were speaking that person's name or about that situation. Where the thing that you see is always critical and there's never a sense of grace or hope or future in Christ as a result in that area, but there is always this sense of an open grave. Those are all indicators that at that point of offense in your journey with Jesus that you took the well-trod path to bitterness and something has to be removed. It has to be taken out. And really, offenses, it's a hard thing for us to wrestle with. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, talking about conflict and offense and kind of interpersonal hardships, it says this. It says, a brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. And I love that proverb because really what it's saying is this. When you and I get offended, we want to build walls and retreat. We want to build walls and we want to retreat. We want to retreat into our own fortification, sometimes to preserve ourselves from that offense, sometimes to hide because we're ashamed that we've offended. But either, either, either way, we're retreating, we fortify up, we may respond with provocation, we may lash out to try to make sure that we can keep ourselves kind of free and clear from, from the conflict, just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tantrum and then you'll just kind of leave me alone. And we'll begin to look at it as a fortified city, we could never take that, that those walls will never come down. And we can resign ourselves to it always being that way, that's what offense has a tendency to look for or look like in our lives. And so I want to briefly, I just want to give you three other ways that you can respond. How to address issues of offense in your life, practical ways this week 
that would be baby steps that would move you off of the well-trod path of bitterness and move you onto the less-trod path of forgiveness. If you're a note-taker, you can write these down. I'll give you just a second to get those things out. So how can we choose the path less traveled? Number one, respond rather than react. If you just like kind of bucket ideas, just put respond and react and put them in a, in a place that you can revisit later. Most of us react to offense. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 4, very practical verse. It says this, it says, If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. When you come to a fork in the road that is introduced by offense, you've got two different ways that you can respond. And I can tell you, if you just gut, feeling, react, you're probably going to take the path of least resistance. We're going to go down the well-trod path, and we're going to run rampant towards bitterness. But if you pump the brakes, and if you pause, and you prayerfully respond, you will be more likely to take the other path. You'll be more likely to take a path towards forgiveness. And if you have already run down the path of bitterness, right, you might be like, Pastor, you know, man, I've been on the bitter road for a long time. Pump the brakes now and ask the Lord prayerfully how you can begin to respond in a way that moves you off that path and moves you on a path to forgiveness. Regardless of how far you've gone down that and how long you have lived that out, doesn't mean that you cannot interrupt and course correct that journey. That would be the Lord's intention for your life and one of the roles of the Holy Spirit if you would let him be active. And so you pause and prayerfully respond. You, you do your part and recognize that that doesn't mean that the other person is going to reciprocate or that the problem is going to necessarily go away. But as long as it's your concern, you want to respond in a way that takes you where Jesus would lead you. And you may invite the other person, the other parties to be a part of that journey, and they may give you the finger and go down the other path anyway. But as far as it is your concern, you choose to respond in a righteous way. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You may deal with offense and trauma in your life that it has long-lasting residue and impact and effect. And you may be at odds with somebody who will always hate you, but you do not have to hate in return. You do not have to be held by the same brokenness that somebody else has held. And you do not have to walk on the same path that they are walking. You have an option to follow Jesus in a different way. Respond rather than react. Number two, overlook the offense. Overlook the offense. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, it says this. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. A nice way to put that in our context this morning is that a wise person's going to pump the brakes. You'll slow down and you'll prayerfully respond. And it is to one's glory or to advantage to overlook 
an offense. Okay, so kind of staying in kind of an active mode of listening this morning. I want you to go like this. Cover your eyes. All right, go ahead and take your hands off. Some of you are like, what's going to happen? This is going to be weird, right? Here's the deal. Overlooking an offense is not doing this. It's not pretending that it doesn't exist. It's not putting your head in the sand. It's not how somehow minimizing it. It's not saying that it didn't happen. It's not putting the onus on you to deal with your own trauma and to skirt the responsibility of that other willing parties or unwilling parties had in the process. It's not to somehow excuse it. To overlook the offense doesn't mean that I don't look at it or see it or recognize it. But to overlook a, a, an offense means that once I've seen it, I've recognized it, and I've understood what it is, now I'm going to look over it. I'm going to look past it. And when you lift your eyes off of that moment of offense and look over that, the first thing that you should see is Jesus. You need to see Jesus. And the next thing that you will see as a result of that is you will see people and circumstances the way that he does rather than what your experience is telling you that you're dealing with. And it's in that place that you can move towards a solution where forgiveness is a part of what's taken place. To overlook an offense isn't to bury your head in the sand and pretend that it didn't happen, but it's to look over it after you have recognized it, to look to Jesus to make the difference in the situation. And in doing so, I'm going to release that offense to Jesus instead of receive it into myself. Instead of allowing it to come into my life and to fester in my soul, I'm going to release it to Jesus and let him deal with it. And maybe deal with me in the process. But to, to look over means that I'm going to look at something different. I'm going to see my Savior. I'm going to see the person in light of So we respond rather than react. We overlook the offense. And then number three, note takers, don't pick at it. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, don't pick at it. Earlier this week, I was working on a car engine. I scratched up my knuckles in the morning. I was kind of getting ready for work, and I picked a scab and bled all over the place. I didn't even know I was bleeding until my daughter was like, Dad, you're bleeding everywhere. Didn't even really feel it or notice it. It wasn't something that was causing me any discomfort. Feeling because I wouldn't stop picking at it. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9 says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Think of that like a Band-Aid. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. I love this proverb. It says, hey, when you have issues of offense in your life, start to work towards healing. Quit picking at it. Quit picking at it. Pick scabs, don't heal, and if you pick long enough, they'll leave a scar. And many of us, when it comes to offense, we're bitter and we relive that moment over and over and over. We tell the same story over and over and over, and we're always the hero, and whoever offended us is always the villain. We can't let it go, and even if we don't share it with others and we're not complaining about it all the time, we're running and rehearsing it in our mind, and it's not healthy or good for us. We are infected in our soul, and we're embittered towards the world. Don't pick at it. Don't pick at it. One of the things that Paul encourages the church over and over and over is to be renewed in your mind. And many of us, when it comes to offense, we lose the battle in our mind before anything's actually happened. In fact, many of us are offended 
about things that never actually happened. But it looked like it did, or we thought it did, or I know that they said, but I still feel. We've all been embarrassed at times where we moved with provocation towards somebody and found out that we were mistaken. Don't replay it. Don't rehearse it. Release it. Give it to Jesus. And allow him to begin to move in your life in a different way. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says this. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone or anyone. It's like one of those blanket statements where it's like, hey, in every situation with every person, as far as it's up to you, bear the weight of the responsibility to see forgiveness the road that's being walked out. And forgive as the Lord forgave you. When we encounter offense in our journey with Jesus, the fork in the road has two clearly labeled destinations. One is going to lead you towards bitterness. One will lead you towards forgiveness. One is a well-trod, well-worn, and well-familiar path for us to take. But if you look closely at the other, you'll see Jesus' footprints on that one. It's the one that he walked for us. It's the one that he invites us to walk into. And it's the only one that leads to freedom. Freedom is found when we follow Jesus away from bitterness and into forgiveness. Church family, if you would stand, worship team, if you would come forward. We're going to take a moment to allow the Lord to search our hearts and really, if we need to, to release some things to him. When we think of the idea of a fork in the road, it's overly simplistic. Because if you're walking on a path and there's a left and there's a right, you just pick one and you keep going. It's as simple as that. But when it comes to forks in the road, in this spiritual sense, it can be a little bit more challenging. And many times we'll walk one path a little bit and we'll try to get back to the other and then we'll kind of straddle as far as we can and we'll try to try to find our way. Sometimes we'll move down that road to freedom, but we still feel like we're stuck and being pulled back almost like a, a, a magnet, something like that, where, where there's not release. See, in the metaphor, it's as easy as just taking a step and you're good. Okay, I'm going in this direction, but in real life, in praxis, it's much more difficult, isn't it? We can make a step, we can make some headway, and then we find ourselves almost back at the same crossroad, or the offense is reintroduced once again. It, it's not as, just, as, as simple as just a, a raise your hand or a yes or no. And I want to encourage you, if you've got some places in your life where you've tried to kind of take the right path, but you still get uh, pulled back to the other one, places where you've revisited the same offense or situation, and it seems like it's a common thread narrative, let me encourage you to not just respond this morning as I take a moment and pray with you and for you, but invite some other people to journey with you. We journey better together. It's the reason why in Scripture the church is told to bear one another's burdens, to encourage one another, to come alongside and to comfort and to edify and to encourage, to help set in place 
See, we need each other for that. And so if there's some things that you've got that you know that you're, the, the Lord's highlighting for you and you need to kind of make a decision this morning, that's good, but invite somebody else to help you walk that out. And if you need, you know, uh, some, some more consistent or structured help, more than just a friend who might say, hey, I'll journey with you, but somebody who's going to really help you uh, break down some of those things, I would encourage you to look at the care ministry that we have here at the church. You can, you can look at it online, sterlingfoursquare.com slash care. But we have pastors who can sit with you and help walk you towards freedom. We have counselors who can sit with you and they will walk you towards freedom. We have people who will pray with you and you will see breakthrough and you will see results because you will move from healing into freedom. And so if there's something in you where you're like, man, I've, I've tried this, I've cried out, I've raised my hand, I, I just need more. Can I just tell you there's more? There's more. Take those steps. Be courageous and take those steps of faith. We're not in a series saying journey to freedom so that at the end of it, we can say, I know where freedom is, but none of us ever gets there. The intention all along of what God would do during this time together is that you would walk into freedom. That you wouldn't just know that it's there, but that you would experience it in your daily life. Take those steps. And this morning, as we close and as I pray for you, what, what do you need to release to Jesus? What issue of offense or hurt or hardship? What do you need to release to him? Maybe it's a person or a situation, something that was done to you, a deep trauma of your heart and your person. And that might be the first step. You just, you take your hands off of it. Instead of being held by it, you just open your hands and you, and you give it to him. Maybe you're wrestling with the way that you have done that to others. Your identity is kind of messed up. It's anchored in that act or that thing that you did, that addictive behavior, or that, that, that wall that you just can't, that barrier in your life, you just can't move, move past. Maybe you need to release that sense of guilt and condemnation and you need to receive new life. In Christ. There's any number of ways that this could be applicable to us this morning, but if you would just take a moment and just close your eyes, and if you know that there's something that you have received to yourself, but it needs kind of a spiritual surgery today, it needs to be cleaned out, you need to release it to Jesus, if you would just put your hands in front of you as if you're offering that to him, that's enough of a step of faith to say, Jesus, I offer this to you. Lord, you see our palms up, you see our hands out. Lord, you see the things that we have held so tightly to, but we have discovered this morning that they have held us. Lord, and we release those today. Lord, we release those to you, and in their place we ask that we would receive your forgiveness and that we would receive it in such a measure that we begin to extend that to others. Lord, give us eyes to see your footprints on that path of forgiveness. Lord, that we would be motivated to follow you in that. Lord, give us eyes to respond differently, to see differently when we're presented with offense. Help us to pump the brakes and prayerfully respond. Lord, give us eyes that overlooks the offense, that sees you as the solution. Lord, help us to guard our hearts and our minds so that we don't pick at it, and that we allow you to bring health and wholeness in that place. We release these things to you, Jesus, and we believe that freedom is in front of us because that's where you lead us. You've gone before us to prepare that place, and we say yes to following you into that today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Simple action steps for you this week. If you've got a smartphone or your tablet, you can just snap a picture of it. Otherwise, you can catch this uh, online or Facebook later, or you're just going to memorize it fast. Some of you, I, I believe you can do it, right? Action steps. When you encounter a fence, number one, prayerfully respond rather than react. Release your offense to Jesus and then choose, and it will be a choice you have to make. Choose the path to forgiveness journey into freedom this week.